Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Baptist Church. It's a lovely February Sunday of warmth in Coronado. So glad that you're here. Um, we are here to praise the Lord. So if you are at home and watching us, or if you are here, please stand to your feet and let's praise the Lord together.
just a few more names of our almighty God. Aren't you glad he's a powerful God? He can meet your need, whatever it is today. So let's go to him in a word of prayer. And as we pray, if there's a special need that you have, something that's heavy on your heart right now, would you just raise your hand up for a moment? And God knows exactly what it is. And he's the one who needs to know more than anybody else, right? So let's, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the power that's in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our God, our Creator, our Sustainer, the one who loves us more than anyone else in the world loves us, and Father, the one who died on the cross for our sins, that we might have everlasting life by putting our faith and our trust in Him. We ask your blessings on this congregation. Meet our needs today. Lord, we'll pray and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. you. may be seated. Welcome to First Baptist Church. And if you're watching by way of YouTube or Facebook, welcome. Uh, we're glad to have you uh, doing so on the Internet. And if you get a chance, come on down to 445C Avenue in Coronado and visit us. We'd love to have you. The flowers up here are some of the ones left from the service yesterday for David Stinson. So it was a, it was a service glorifying God and remembering a great man. So uh, if you get a chance, pray for Patty. She would appreciate that. If you're a guest, first-time visitor here at First Baptist Church, or if it's been a long time since you've been here, would you please do us a favor and take one of these co connection cards, which are in the seat backs in front of you, and uh, should be a pen there also, and fill it out, and then at the end of the service, either give it to us, or uh, you can take it back to the offering box. The offering box is to the, is it still there, Dan? I don't see it. It's right there. It's hidden by flowers. I got my heart skipped a beat. The offering box is gone. I thought one of the deacons had run off with it or something. So, But, uh, yeah, that's where the members put their tithes and offerings in. Thank you, members, for being faithful. But if you're a guest, all we want you to do is fill this out and put that in, and we'd have a record of your visit. And so thankful that you have come to be with us today. You could also use this for prayer requests and for information you might need about the church and so on. And there are a couple of things you need to sign up for. You could use this as well. I'll get to those in a minute. Thank you to those of you who filled out a commitment card. If you still have your commitment card, we still need people working with our younger children's classes once a month. We desperately need people for that. We need help in the maintenance. We need help in several different areas. And a praise team, praise the Lord. Some people have stepped up there. But whatever it is, uh, figure out what God wants you to do and go ahead and fill that out. We'd love to have you as part. Every member of minister at First Baptist Church. Announcements? Today, kind of an unusual message. When we're talking about the names of God, and I'll explain that in just a minute, but tomorrow, happy Valentine's Day. Guys, that's your cue. Take the hint. Do something, okay? You, don't, you, you were warned. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Uh, then check out our bulletin for several Bible studies held throughout the week, all week long. Today, military, after the service, lunch is served, free lunch next door. Uh, and so you're invited to that. Hope you'll make that. But then check all the Bible studies out almost every day of the week. Uh, we have something going on. Next Sunday, the name of God we're going to study is Jehovah. That's the covenant name of God. That is actually the most uh, frequently used name of God uh, in the Old Testament. So go ahead and, and uh, check that out if you want to this week. Come back and be with us next Sunday morning. Women's, okay, two things to sign up for. Women's worship event with Paula Dunn. Paula was here about six years ago. Incredible young Christian lady with uh, great testimony and a beautiful voice and sings for the glory of God. She will be with us 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturday, February 26th, last Saturday this month. 
If you did not sign up yet and you can, you're going to be here, you're going to bring someone with you, that'd be great. Uh, you can use the connection card or out in the front of the church, there's a table with a place where you can sign up. I think we have 50 ladies signed up already right now, and that's incredible. Uh, there'll be a lunch served, and so sign up for that. Be here. You'll be glad. And then that Sunday, Paula will be here providing some special music for us. So we're looking forward to that. If you're uh, interested in a nine-week get-out-of-debt program in the spring, how to get totally out of debt, uh, go ahead and fill this out. Put your contact information, and we'll take care of that. One other thing you can sign up for on that table outside is if you could have a Basque student, a student from, uh, from Spain, the Basque area of Spain, from June the 28th to July the 27th, the one-month period, uh, Fitz and Agat gave a great testimony last week about how it influenced their family and how they became connected with this foreign student. So go ahead and sign up for that, either with your connection card or out on the table, sign-up table. Here's my bulletin article for this week. We all have secret sins. We all have them. There are those things about us that we don't want anyone to know. We could make a list, no doubt, of feeling of things that we hope no one ever learns about us. There are thoughts that we have, words we have spoken, actions we have taken, places we have gone that cause us to take pause when we remember them. The fact is, there is no such thing, though, as a secret sin. God knows everything about us. He knew that Eve and then Adam had eaten of the fruit, forbidden fruit and tried to hide from him in the Garden of Eden. He knew that Cain had killed Abel when Abel, when Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? He knew that Doeg was responsible for the death of the priests. He knew that Jonah was the cause for the storm. And God knew what David did with Bathsheba. He even knew that Judas was going to betray the Son of God. Now, some of those things we might say, well, if he knew all of that, why did he let it happen? And, and if he knew that was going to happen, didn't it have to happen from that point on because he knew it was going to happen? No, God's omniscience means he knows what choices we're going to make uh, infinitely number of millennia before we ever make those choices. He knows what they are. He doesn't cause us to do them. Uh, G God did not cause Judas to... To, to betray Jesus. God did not cause him to, but God knew that Judas was going to. So then we say in our finite understanding, why did God go ahead and allow that to happen? Well, ask him when you see him, okay? Because I don't know, but I do know that we're responsible for what we do from this point on. Where will you go to hide from God? Psalm 139, 7 through 12 says, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hides not from you, but the night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. Furthermore, Revelation 6, 16 and 17 says, and they shall say to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? There's only one way, ladies and gentlemen, to hide our sins, and that permanently. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we can be saved. also says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all 
on righteousness. So whoever it was, I think Ronald Reagan who said, you can run, but you can't hide. Probably there was a prophet of God a long time before Reagan who said, you can run from him, but you can't hide from him because he knows everything. So here's the point. If he knows everything about you anyhow, why don't you just confess your sins to God and get them taken care of? And then you can stand in his presence without fear or shame. So that'd be a good thing to do at the invitation today if God so moves you to do so. Let's stand together. We'll continue to worship the Lord in song.
And I believe with all my heart, the Lord appreciates it when we lift up that powerful name of Jesus. And we often say thanks to our praise team because they do such an excellent job in leading us in worship. But I'll tell you what, we got a bunch of people in that sound booth back there that uh, if, if they weren't helping us out, we'd all be in a lot of trouble here with the sound and the video and all of that. And so thank you all for what you do as well. And if you're interested in maybe working in the sound booth, uh, we, we could use some people that would uh, volunteer for that too. And so since some of you are already sitting, how about the rest of you go ahead and join then? There you go. <laughs> and would you take your Bible and open it to the Old Testament to 2 Samuel chapter 5, 2 Samuel. Samuel chapter 5. And while moms and dads are doing that, I'm going to ask the boys and girls to come and sit, to, to stand right here in front of me, right down here on the floor, would you? All the boys and girls got a little story for you, something I want to share with you, something that's very, very important. So come stand right here in the very, very front so I can see your eyeballs with my eyeballs. Okay? All right. Good group of kids. How many of your dads or moms serve in the military? How many of them? Okay. How many of them are in the army? <laughs> Just one. Okay. All right. How many are in the Air Force? In both of them. All right. How many are in the Marine Corps? How many are in the Coast Guard? Is, is there anybody else? Anything else? Oh, how many of your moms or dads are in the United States Navy? Let me see your hands, all right? Okay, all right, we got a bunch of them. You know what? Being a soldier or being a sailor has changed so much, even in just my little short, tiny lifetime. The uniforms have changed. No laughing, folks. That's not a joke. That's just, all right, so the uniforms have changed. The weapons have changed. And even the enemy has changed in my lifetime. And our soldiers today, one of the hardest things is when you're in a fight and in a battle and it's nighttime and you can't see your enemy. And so our soldiers, a lot of them have what they call night vision goggles. Do you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know what I'm talking about? It, 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 it allows our soldiers and sailors to be able to see in the nighttime. So even when it's dark all around us, they can see other people. Guess what? God has always had nighttime vision. Psalm 139, I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, even in darkness, David says, I can't hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as the day, and darkness and light are the same. So God can see in the dark. It doesn't phase him a bit. He doesn't have to feel for the light switch and try to figure out how to turn it on. He can see without even having the lights on. You know what else, boys and girls? How many of you know that? How many know what Superman? Who Superman is? All right. How many know that at Superman has X-ray vision? How many know that when I was a kid on the comic books, it advertised x-ray vision glasses, and I sent off for those suckers? <laughs> but they didn't work. That was a bummer. But, but you know what? God also has x-ray vision. God can see through stuff. He can see through walls. He can see through your roof. He knows exactly what we're doing all the time. So boys and girls, here's the lesson today. God knows everything we do all of the time, and it's important. <clears throat> we cannot hide anything from him. So since God knows when we sin and knows that we need to confess, why don't we go ahead and let him know? When we do something wrong, we should say, God, this is what I did, and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Remember, 
God is always, always, always watching us, and he's also watching out for us. Now, I thought, what could I get for the boys and girls? I thought, well, it'd be cool to get you some night vision goggles. <laughs> so I checked on the price, and I found some that we're going to give you, and they don't really work. But go ahead and pass out these night vision goggles to the boys and girls, okay? And, and, and again, I got a good deal because they don't really work at night. <clears throat> All right, hold up. Somebody hold up your pair so everybody can see what you're getting. See the night, night vision goggles. I guarantee you put them on at night. <coughs> you will not be able to see a thing. I promise you. <clears throat> Let's go ahead. Did you get some goggles? Oh, go get some goggles right over there. Can't let you go without goggles. All right, let's, let's pray, okay? Our Father, we're so thankful that you see us all the time. You know everything about us. You know when we need help. We know when, you know when we're in trouble. You know when we do things wrong. And so, Father, we pray that these boys and girls would always, always, always learn to come to you and ask for your forgiveness and to make things right and help us to do what we should do because you're always watching us in Jesus' name. And all the boys and girls said, amen. amen. All right, boys and girls, go ahead and go to class. All right. And 2 Samuel chapter 5. 2 Samuel chapter, chapter 5. Very unusual message today, as I mentioned. We started a series on the names of God, and last week uh, we began with Elohim, uh, a name that is just absolutely filled with riches. The name Elohim is important for several reasons. First of all, it's the law of first mention. The fourth word of the book of Genesis, the, the first book in our Bibles, the fourth word is Elohim, <clears throat> Excuse me, which is a name for God. Elohim is the name of our omnipotent, creative God. He was able to create everything there is without any building materials. He started with absolutely nothing and created everything that is. Elohim is plural form, uh, plural in form, but it's singular in unity. And so it's a precursor of the Holy Trinity. One God, three manifestations, three persons, but one God, not three gods. And then Elohim is also important because it's used in a lot of compound names. Is there anybody here named Elizabeth? Anybody named Elizabeth? Anybody here named uh, Elroy? I'm not sure that one applies, but anyhow... Do we have any Elijahs or Elishas? Anybody here? No? Okay, well, the E-L on the first part of it is a shortened form uh, that is used in making compound names, and it stands for Elohim God. So I mentioned that there are hundreds of names that use the E-L as part of another name, and that reminded me when I was studying for this message about three weeks ago now, uh, when I was studying for the message on Elohim, uh, that is, <clears throat> it reminded me of, of a message that I, that I love to preach, I have preached before. Uh, it's, it's about three names that are compounds using L. Everyone knows uh, some of King David's sons. Uh, we know of the unnamed baby that died as a consequence of David and Bathsheba's sin. We know of Amnon, uh, a wicked son, who attacked, morally attacked one of his half-sisters and then um, wouldn't honor her after that, uh, even though he precipitated the whole thing. We know of Absalom, who became <clears throat> a, a rebel and led Israel in a rebellion against his dad. <clears throat> we know Solomon, who became king after David and became the wisest man who ever lived. But again, I, I told you last week, I kind of wonder about that 
when he married a thousand women. I, I don't know how, uh, you know, 300 and some wives and 700 concubines. That's a whole lot of pantyhose hanging on the shower door. I'll tell you right now. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so, but he is the wisest man ever. He, he, that beautiful, that beautiful illustration of the, the two women whose one son had died during the night, little baby, the other infant, both ladies claimed that was their baby and that the dead baby was the other ladies. And he said, bring me a sword. And they said, what are you doing? Well, I'm going to cut the baby in half, give half to you and half to you. And the lady who was not the real mother said, that sounds good. And the mother who was the real mother said, no, give the baby to her. Solomon had wisdom that God gave to him. But there are many more sons born to King David. <clears throat> a few of them are mentioned in our text in 2 Samuel chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. And let me read to you. After moving from Hebron to Jerusalem, David married more concubines and wives, and they had more sons and daughters. By the way, uh, s someone says, well, preacher, it must be okay to have a lot of wives because the people in the Bible had them. You will notice they had a lot of trouble when they had a lot of wives. You, you will notice that. And I'm not saying the wives are trouble. I'm saying God made man uh, for a woman and a woman for a man. And one of the credentials, qualifications for eldership and leadership in the church for a man is that he be the husband of uno wife. That's Spanish. <laughs> he be the husband of one wife. Uh, and not multiple wives. And so just because, hey, they did a lot of things in the Old Testament that we better not be doing, and some things in the New Testament we better not be doing as well. So I'm, I'm just, that was an aside. That doesn't cost you anymore, okay? That's just a, a little side thing. But here they had many sons and daughters, and these are the names of David's sons who were born in Jerusalem. Now look at these names. Sh Shamua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishua, Nepheg, Jephia, Elishama, Eliada, and Eliphalet. Not a Bob, not a Jim, not a Dan in the mix. No, you know, I don't, I don't know. So nothing more is mentioned about these sons, uh, and especially these last three sons, and yet today's sermon is about them, or at least about their names, because again, the L automatically means that this is a compound using the name of God. So what does this mean? Uh, it, it, I mentioned last week also that parents used to name their children after significant religious or other life events or after other great men or women of the Bible. For example, Jesus literally means Jehovah's salvation. Samuel means asked of God. So people used to name their children after special events, special people, whatever. Not so much now. Nowadays, it's just as likely the parents name their child after some movie star, rock star, or hero in a novel. That's where your dad got his name. Uh, or was from his, his mom read a book, and the main character was Basil. Yeah, Basil. And so she, you know what? It's a good thing we didn't name our son Basil. Basil Bays. That'd be, uh, anyhow. <clears throat> we, had, we had three children. We, well, we still have three children, as a matter of fact. <clears throat> The first one uh, weighed 8'4", and was born December the 17th, day after my birthday, and so was our Christmas baby. Supposed to be a Thanksgiving baby, but she uh, came so late and so close to Christmas that we named her Shannon Noel Bates. That's your mama. And she weighed 8'4". Our second child was also a girl, weighed 9'4". Her name was Misty Dawn. She was born on a Misty Dawn. The, th 
When we found out we were going to have a third child, uh, we figured he was going to weigh 10 for, and we would name him Roger and be over and out. But <laughs> he wasn't 10 for, he was only 915. Uh, and I say that knowing full well, 915 sounds like a big baby, and it is. The three names in our text have the same root, which is El, which refers to Elohim God. They mean this, God hears, God knows, and God delivers. God hears, God knows, and God delivers. You know, the Bible is, the, the Bible is so profound. People read it or look at it or read it casually or reference it without really knowing the power of the word of Almighty God. I mean, they, they, they think it's full of contradictions because some college professor in some liberal university told them that the Bible is filled with contradictions and just written by men and was written with, uh, with limited understandings because of the days in which they lived. They were, they were just human explanations for events that they otherwise couldn't explain. They don't recognize the fact that the Holy Word of God is supernaturally inspired, inspired God breathe. That's what inspired means. God breathe, the words of God, not just the ideas. God didn't breathe the ideas to them. He breathed the words to them so that they wrote. We believe in the verbal plenary uh, inspiration of the Word of God. Word for word inspiration uh, of the Word of God. In the original languages, in the, uh, in the Hebrew, in the uh, Aramaic, in the, in the Greek, uh, we believe those words were supernaturally inspired. And so here's a text that you might think, well, what's the point of listing all these names? We don't even know who they, these guys are, and nothing else is known about them. So what's the point? Well, let me just make a point here, perhaps, with the first name, Elishama. God hears. David is the author of this, or David is the one who uh, named, probably had a part in naming the sons. And David said, I want to name him Elishama, which means God hears. And God uh, did hear, as a shepherd lad, his many, many prayers. There was one time he recounts uh, of when a lion came down in trying to steal one of the baby lambs and how that David fought off the lion himself. And with his staff or with his club or with his bare hands, I don't know, but he, he, he killed the lion. There was another time a bear uh, came down to try to tear uh, the lambs, and, and he didn't allow that to happen either. He was able, David was able to defeat. David was the kind of shepherd that not only was there watching the sheep when everything was going good, but was there when there was someone trying to, or something trying to tear it up. And Jesus would later on refer to shepherds who are shepherds only when everything's going good as hirelings. They're there for, for when everything's going well, but when, when things are going tough, then they, they leave. They, they don't put themselves in jeopardy. But David was the kind who stood between the lambs and the bear and stood between uh, the lambs and the lion. And then that day came when he took some bread and cheese to his brothers who were in battle, arrayed in battle, two hillsides, you know the story, a valley in between. And every day the Philistines would get up. Every day they would send, send your champion, we'll send our champion, let them do battle. Why, does, why do other people have to die? Let them do battle. And once they do battle, whoever wins, then the other will be uh, their servant. And they had this guy named Goliath. I should have looked up what Goliath means, come to think of it. I don't know what it means, but it, I know one thing. He was about nine feet tall. 
I know that he had a, a spear with, it was like a, a, the staff was, was huge. I know that uh, he had uh, this, this coat of mail. I know that he had a helmet. I know that he had uh, all this protection. And, and, and if that weren't enough with his sword and everything else, he had uh, someone go out in front of him carrying a shield. What did David have? A sling. A sling and five smooth stones. And so David prayed. And you know what? David prayed when the lion was there. David prayed when the bear was there. David says, you know what? This guy, what? he's just another obstacle. He's another speed bump in the road. He's out there defying the armies of the living God. But more than that, he's defying Almighty God. Is there not a cause, he says? Is there not a cause? Ladies and gentlemen, we have a cause that causes Christ. That causes Christianity. That's the most important thing. And so here he is. He, he, he says, let me go down and battle. And, and his brothers are saying, would you shut up? Get out of here. You're just, a, you're just a kid, probably a teenager at that point in time. You're going to go up against a battle-hardened giant of a man with all that armament? What? Just go away. Go back home where you belong. David kept on saying, is there not a cause? Kept on saying, someone needs to go face this. And, and, and he said, I'll, I'll do it. And Saul heard about that. So Saul brought him in and said, okay, you sure you want to do this, son? Yeah. Uh, God, will, God will fight for me. Okay, well, here, take my armor. And he put on Saul's armor and kind of walked around inside of it without it moving. I mean, it was, it was not his fit. You know what I'm saying? Saul was head and shoulders above everyone else. David, a teenage young lad. And he said, I haven't proven this. I can't, I can't fight with this. I, I'll tell you what I have proven with is my slingshot. And so he goes to Goliath with the, and the power of God. Let me tell you something. You can have an army behind you. If you don't have God's power, you're in trouble. You can be all by yourself taking a stand as long as you have the power of God in your life. And he went down there after the giant. The giant's running toward David. David's running toward the giant. But David's swirling his sling around. And I don't know how even they do that. I don't have any idea how they do that. The kind like this, I, I kind of know how that is. But he's got this thing, and he, and he lets go with that stone. And Goliath said, well, nothing's ever entered my line like that before. <laughs> and he fell down dead. And David jumped up on top of him and took that amazing sword and cut Goliath's head off with it. Wow, David, what a warrior. No, what a warrior God is. What a power God is. He's someone to be reckoned with. And, and David saw his son. He said, God hears. God hears prayer. He heard when I prayed about the lion. He heard when I prayed about the bear. He heard when I prayed about Goliath. Oh, guess what his reward was, by the way? It was supposed to be tax-free and marry the king's daughter. That didn't really happen. And uh, for a long time, finally he did marry the king's daughter. And then, But you know what? Saul became jealous of David. Because when they came back from battle, all the young ladies, all the teenage girls... Lining the streets were saying, Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And Saul's going, what? What are they saying? And he got jealous and he began to, an evil spirit would come upon him. 
And when the evil spirit would come upon him, he'd do things like hurl a spear at David. He was not prejudiced. He hurled a spear against his own son, Jonathan, also one time. He's getting his way when he's not got that evil spirit, and, and he, there's no telling what he's going to do. He was throwing spears, and he was hunting David, and time after time, two times that we know of in the Bible, God delivered Saul into his hands, once in the cave of En Gedi, and again another time when they were asleep on the ground, all the people around him were asleep, all those who were supposed to be protecting Saul were asleep, and David and one of his allies went right down and took his water canteen and, his, and, and, and I think his scepter or some other item, maybe it was a spear, I'm not sure, and, and went up on a hillside, woke him up and said, hey, I, I was there. The people guarding you deserve to die. They didn't protect you. I could have killed you. And in that cave, he cut off a piece of, of Saul's garment. He said, you were, you were there. I, I was there. I could have taken your life, but I don't dare lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. He said, in fact, he said, I'm, I'm ashamed of what I did do in cutting this off. I feel bad about that. But God delivered him from Saul time after time after time after time. And then David went to the Philistines, the enemies of Israel, and aligned himself with the Philistines and then had to pray that God would help defeat them. David was a man of prayer. He was a shepherd of prayer. He was a warrior of prayer. Every time he saw this son, he was reminded that God hears prayer. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Prayers are super important. We must not let our sins get in the way of forgiveness. We must not. Our iniquities can, can put a barrier between us and our living God. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You wonder why your prayers are not getting answered. Are you praying, first of all? Are you praying in the Spirit, secondly? Are you praying with unconfessed sin? Because if you're praying with unconfessed sin to him, he will not hear us, the psalmist said, and Isaiah said. A person depends, uh, or answers rather, depend on Conditions And a person who does not pray or will not pray or will not confess their sins and keep that prayer line open lives beneath their privilege. Dr. A.J. Gordon once said, if we depend upon what organization can get us, we get what organization can give us. If we depend upon eloquence, we get what eloquence can give us. But if we depend upon prayer, we are brought face to face with a God that can do anything for us. I'm reading a little bit about Moses and his, <laughs> I feel bad for Moses. He smote the rock because he was just so frustrated with these people who kept murmuring and complaining and griping and fault finding. And, and I wish we were back in Egypt. Uh, I miss the garlics and the onions and the turnip greens and the okra. Uh, wah, wah, wah. They withstood him every time they turned around. And, and sometimes, I mean, after Korah and his followers were swallowed up 
hole in, 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 with the earth opening up and closing on them, the very next day the people were griping again. And Moses smote the rock when he was supposed to speak to it. And you know what? Bless his heart. I'd have, I'd have smote everything within smoting distance. <laughs> he's, far, he's a far better man than I ever could be. But one time God asked him when he was first calling him to go set the people free, he said, what's in your hand? And at that point in time, what was in his hand was a rod, right? God said, throw it down. He threw it down, it became a snake. Kind of creepy. He said, pick it up. Moses said, what? I don't think I heard you right. I have trouble talking now. I think I'm having trouble hearing. Pick it up. So he picked it up and it became a rod again. What do you have, folks? What do you have within your You say, well, I don't have a rod I can throw on the ground. and become No, but you know what you have? You have the opportunity of prayer. You have the privilege of prayer. How cool would it be if you had the opportunity to go into the office of the President of the United States and talk one-on-one? -on -one? Uh, different illustration. Uh, <laughs> you have the privilege and the opportunity of walking into, as it were, the Holy of Holies, which, by the way, nobody could go into. It, when they broke the tabernacle down before they had the temple, when they broke the tabernacle, only certain people could do that, certain tribes, and, and they had to be careful how they did things because the penalty of doing it wrong was death. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know if it's the Indiana Jones kind of Ark of the Covenant death or not, but that's pretty... That may, uh, I don't know. I don't want to mess with it. So, so what was I saying? Uh, I forgot. So you go. We we've got the privilege of going into the holy of holies. We've got the privilege of going, getting the ear of not the president, not a king, not a queen who's been a queen for 900 years in England, but we have the opportunity of getting the ear of Almighty God who created the heavens and the earth, he will hear our prayers when we meet his conditions. So what's in your hand? You've got, you got prayer. Prayer is, prayer is how I met this woman that I call my wife that I love with all my heart. I, I had, I, in my Bible I had in Bible college, and in fact, I even have it here. Under the, on verse 37, Psalm 37, verse 4, delight thyself, Lord, he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. She was being difficult, playing hard to get. And so I wrote her name by that verse, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of the heart. And he did. That's how I got my wife. It's how, it's how we got, it's how we figured out where we were going to go into ministry getting ready, getting close to graduation, and you're trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? Now we're going to graduate. We're going to have de degrees. What are we going to do? And we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. We started early in, in that year. Our, our last year, uh, we started right away with the last year praying, God, show us where you want us to go. Open doors for us. And he did, and he showed us where, he, and we went to the place where God would have us to go, and we learned some things. We learned some things the easy way, some things the hard way at that place. We went to another place. God led us. We went to the church then that we pastored for 41 years. Then we retired for 35 minutes. And, <laughs> and we're here now going on our seventh year. It's how we got. It's how we get things from God. The answers to God. Uh, answers from God, folks.
That's how we, when, we, when we were getting married, plan, we were engaged and planning on getting married, and we, were, we, we had to find a place to, to live. We wanted to be close to the, uh, to the Bible college, and so we decided we'd go looking, and, and one day we drove off of the campus. We were, not, we were not five minutes away from the campus, and there was a guy nailing a for rent sign in the ground in a house five minutes away from the college. Pat said, let's stop and see. I said, Pat, we can't afford a house. We, we maybe rent an apartment somewhere, but uh, you know we can't afford to rent a house. Well, just stop and check. Okay. We've been praying about a place. We've been praying. Where, God, where do you want us to be? We didn't want to be in the married students' dorms because it was infamous that they had a, like a quarter inch of plywood wall between the headboard of this bed and the headboard of this bed and these couples, and, 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 and it was just not a good thing. If they got into an argument, sometimes you were drawn into it type thing. So. So I stopped and I said, you know, is the house going to be for rent? Duh, it says for rent. He, he said, well, yeah, it is. Claude, right? Name Claude Wilkerson. Yeah, Claude Wilkerson. And so uh, I said, well, she said, how much is it going to be? Uh, how much is the rent going to be? He said, well, I was kind of thinking we'd probably rent it for $45 a month. Hmm. The married students' dorms with a little piece of plywood in between the two headboards was more than that, like $95 a month. I said, $45 a month? He said, yeah, but in the wintertime with the utilities, it can, it can go up another $15. I about broke my arm getting my wallet out. And I said, could I make a deposit? He said, we don't need to. I said, can I make a deposit? I want, I want to make a deposit. He said, okay, how about $5? So I gave him a $5 deposit on a $45 a month house that sometimes cost us $60 in the wintertime in, in Missouri. But you know what? That's how we got our house. We got another house. We, got, we were making, well, a little bit more than nothing. Uh, and when we were in Colorado at a church, and uh, I think it was $160 a month. Maybe it was $140. I'm not sure. $160, $140 a week. Uh, and... We were able to buy a brand new house on a special program, an incentive program, 235, I think is what it was called. And our house payment for a brand new three-bedroom house by level was $100.17 a month. That's how we got our house. That's how we, I'm telling you folks, if you're not praying, you're missing out. Got, and the preacher told a story one time. I don't have all the how he told it, but he talked about going to heaven. He says he, they were looking at all the sights and all the. It was incredible. He says well, everything was wonderful. And he, he they said they walked by this one place. He said, "What's in this huge, 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 huge warehouse? What's in this warehouse?" And they walked in, and there was shelf after shelf after shelf with box after box after box piled as far as you could see. He said, "What is all this?" He said, "These are the prayer, answers to prayer that Christians never did pray for." how we get things from God. It was the practice of the early disciples praying. It was the example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's what he does for us right now. He intercedes in our behalf. It's the means of grace and mercy. How do we get grace? How do we get mercy? By praying. How do we obtain fullness of joy? By praying. How, do we, how can we be freed from anxiety? By praying. How can we get the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives? By praying. What keeps us from being weighted down with the cares of this world? Prayer. It, what accomplishes spiritual growth and keeps us from 
sin and save souls and much more prayer, and yet how much and how often do we really pray? David prayed, and so can we. David, God hears prayers for the unsaved, for the backslider, for the wayward child, for revival, for finances, for jobs, for healing. Elishima, God hears, but that's not all. God knows. David learned this lesson all too well. There was a fourfold tragedy that was a result of this so-called secret sin with Bathsheba. You know the story. I never, I never read uh, in Samuel until I, uh, I start coming to this point. And I, for some reason in my brain, I say, don't let him look at Bathsheba. Don't let him glance over at the rooftop. Don't let this about what's about to happen happen. And shame and sorrow followed David as a result. Sin, sin, his sin was complemented with death many times over. In fact, David's responsible for the death of Bathsheba's husband who did absolutely nothing wrong but everything right. Uriah had such incredible character that when David being sneaky and, 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 and conniving and this man after God's own heart now who had sin had so turned that he actually brought Uriah to, back from the war, from the battlefront and said, I, I, want, you to, I, I want you to just enjoy yourself and, yourself and, and, and gave him some alcohol and, and sent him home. And even, even under the influence of alcohol and having been away from his wife for however long, even with all of that, he had more character to not go in his own house. And when David brought him in the next day and said, how was it? Did you go home? No. He said, my, my compatriots are in the battlefield. They're out there fighting the battle. They're, they're enduring hardships. I'm not going to go lie with my wife. I'm not going to go into my own home and have the comfort of my own home while they're out there doing that. And in his, he had more character. David tried and tried to get him to, but he wouldn't. And so he sent with Uriah, Uriah's own death notice to Joab. And basically, the instruction was advance on the enemy's walls and then withdraw and leave Uriah there. David was guilty of murder by implementing that order. And so after the death of Uriah, and when the morning was passed, and David sent and fetched her, Bathsheba, to his house, and she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. He'd been so careful to try to hide everything. So again, where are you going to go to hide from God? You guys, you're going to get on a ship 8,000, 8, 9,000 miles away from here? You're going you're gonna to go into some port. You think you can get away with whatever you can get away with. Nobody will know. God knows. God knows. You're going to go into your house. He stands at the door and knocks. You're going to go into the rocks. He can roll them away. You're going to go into the wind somewhere. He speaks calm to the wind and to the sea. You're going to go into the depths. He dwells there. You go into heaven or the far side of the earth or under the earth. Where, where in time or space are you going to go to get away from Almighty God? There's only one way to hide your sin. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all 
their guilty stains. How do we do it? By confession. This is the Christian's brazen labor. This is the opportunity to be washed clean. This idea of washing and being washed clean, when Jesus was meeting with his disciples and, and, and that fateful last night, and he's getting ready to, to go out into the garden, but, and, and before he does that, though, he, he takes a basin of water and a towel. What does he do? He begins to wash the disciples' feet. I love Peter. I, I understand that guy. And it comes that Jesus comes to, to Peter as a servant would, saying, I'm going to wash your feet. And Peter says, no, no, you're not. You're not going to wash my feet. I ought to be washing your You're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, well, if I don't wash your feet, then I have no part in you. You have no part in me. And he says, oh, well, in that case, give me a bath. Jesus said, that's not what's necessary here, but what's necessary is to wash your feet. See, we, we travel in this world. If you're saved, it doesn't mean you don't ever sin again. We get dirty by walking through this life. And, and, and for the travelers back in those days, the, the dirt roads and so on, uh, they would come in, and, and one of the things they would do is have a servant wash the feet of their guests. And so Jesus was saying, you just need to be cleansed from your sins. You, 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 you're saved. You're already a child of God, in effect, but, but you need daily cleansing. And folks, that's what we need. Daily, we need to come to the Lord because God knows what's going on. We're not hiding anything that we have done. Nathan came to David in Psalm 51 is the results, but Nathan came to David, pointed his finger at the king who had power to put Nathan to death and said, thou art the man. You're the one. You have sinned before Almighty God. I preached this message at a well-known Christian college just hours before there was a scandal there that was made known to the world by way of TV, April the 18th, 1989. I didn't know anything about the scandal that was about to break. But the wife of the pastor was in that service and came up and with tears thanked me for the message. She knew that God knows so what are we waiting for we know what we've done god knows what we've done confess it to him find forgiveness and cleansing well elishama means god hears eliada means god knows eliphalet means god delivers the second truth god knowing would be unbearable without the third truth god delivers he can do something about it. Others may be here, others may be no, but others can't do for you what needs to be done. He can deliver us from foolish pride. <clears throat> he can deliver us from drugs and alcohol. I, I, I don't know how many people, Pat, I don't know how many dozens or maybe hundreds of people at the other church delivered from, I don't mean just marijuana I, I mean delivered from cocaine delivered from heroin delivered from meth things you're not even supposed to be able to get delivered from with meth in some cases but god can do that from drugs and alcohol and immorality and pornography and emptiness and hopelessness and despair and moral and mental and physical bondage and anxiety and outright fear a fear of anything fear of everything so why wait 
Why wait when it's available? Let God forgive you. Confess it to him. Make things right. Yield your life, your heart, and your all to him today. And that's what the invitation's about. You don't have to tell me your sins. You need to tell those to God. But in the invitation, I'd love for you to come up here and just say, Preacher, I want you to pray with me because there's something in my life God needs to take care of, and I'm going to pray that he takes care of it. You don't have to tell me what it is. I'm not taking confessions today. That's God's business. If you have something you want me to pray about, that's different. You can tell me, and I'll pray with you about it. But in this invitation, why don't you do what God has laid on your heart to do? God hears. God knows. And praise his name, God delivers. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you deliver some people right now. God, we pray that we would all understand there is no secret sin. That we stand absolutely naked before you. Absolutely, you see through our soul. You see our heart and in what's in our heart. You know what's in our minds. You know what's in our plans. God, you know who we really are. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help some people receive Christ as their Savior today, help other people to receive the deliverance that's available through him, help other people to come and surrender their will to yours this morning. And we'll thank you in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Would you stand? So as they play the invitation, and as we sing together, if God's leading you to come and make some kind of a commitment to him today, if people are between you and the aisle, just excuse yourself and come on down. They'll be gladly move out of the way. But whatever it is, as we sing a verse or two of invitation, come on right now. Father, I pray that you would go with us today from this place. Help us to be ready to do your will. And Father, whatever you're working on in our hearts, whatever you're working on in our minds, may you have the preeminence and the victory today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of the Lord's day. Remember, all day is the Lord's day. Thank you for being in God's house.
such a good one. Let me see if I can find a drummer for us, because I really want to. 